Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. Hello, welcome to the episode number 56 of the High Tech Freedom Podcast. So I'm really excited to mix it up today with a discussion around freedom. So as sales professionals, you know, we talk a lot about how do we get better at our craft and how do we make, uh, you know, hit quote, exceed quote, and make more money. But I'm a big believer that, you know, we, we all have an opportunity to learn from the best in order to really earn like the best. But one of the most important parts is, hey, once we've earned it, how do you take some of those hard-earned commission dollars and redeploy it in a way that can create additional income streams that will deliver on some of that freedom that we're all looking to achieve? So during today's episode, we're going to focus on that latter part, which is really investing for prosperity. So my guest today is Penelope Jane Smith. So Penelope is the premier financial freedom coach for women entrepreneurs and the go-to expert for some of the biggest names in the conscious business industry. So she is an acclaimed international speaker certified trainer, 20 plus years of teaching experience. And she's an author of a book called The Little Book of Prosperity. And we'll get more into uh, some of her background during the discussion. But Penelope, uh, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. Thanks, Chris. I'm so excited to be here. Freedom is one of my highest values. And I'm really excited to geek out about it today. Excellent. You know, and I think freedom means something different to, to each person. So I, I'm looking forward to you know, really getting into that topic. So I did a little bit of homework on you, Penelope, and uh, there's a couple of things that really intrigued me. So the first one was I saw a, a video or an article where you talked about you had $6 million in real estate and then lost it all, I think, during the 2009 recession. What happened? Yeah. So I had learned about passive income in my 20s. I was working in Japan teaching, deciding what I wanted to do when I came back to the United States. And what I decided was I wanted to learn how to invest in real estate, build businesses, and then teach other people how, because the whole like nine to five, get a job thing didn't really resonate with me. And I figured there were other people it wouldn't resonate with either. So I took $10,000 of my own money. In four years, I turned that into over 6 million in real estate. Wow. I was on track to be able to retire by the time, be financially free by the time I was 31. And then when the real estate market crashed, everything changed. I lost my perfect credit score. I lost my beautiful home with the water view to foreclosure. I struggled and struggled to make ends meet. Eventually, my electricity got turned off. Everything in the fridge went bad because I couldn't get it turned back on because I couldn't afford it. And I was, you know, depressed and anxious and I felt like a total failure. So I went from being almost financially free to millions of dollars in debt, ultimately being forced to declare bankruptcy. And when I saw the movie, The Big Short, and I read the book, The Big Short, I was like, man, I didn't stand a chance, which made me really sad and kind of relieved at the same time. You know, the sadness was about, you know, I worked so hard 
to build that and to have it all come crumbling down is heartbreaking and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But then also some relief and that like, yeah, I made mistakes, but ultimately like I did not cause the subprime mortgage crisis. Right. You know, so like sometimes there's just socioeconomic factors that are bigger than you that you have to learn how to kind of like surf those economic tsunamis, you know? So it wasn't just Penelope as a failure. There was broader things going on that impacted you. Yeah, and coming from experience in the real estate industry, having run a mortgage company, you know, I thought I understood the risks more than I did because I could see how to underwrite a subprime loan versus, you know, a loan where people are doing full documentation, good credit, can show all their income, plenty of down payment, all that stuff. And when I looked at the differences in rates and what you had to do to qualify, I thought that similar to how insurance companies calculate the different rates based on risk, I thought that the rates accounted for the risk. And what I didn't understand was like collateralized debt obligations and all these like things wrapped in things where that increased rate actually did not offset the risk and those models weren't working. And I have to like give myself a little bit of a break because almost nobody understood that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we do now. <laughs> yeah. And that said, there were some things that I could have done better. Right. And I've harvested a ton of lessons and become a much better teacher and a much better investor as a result. So for example, a huge, huge, huge lesson that came out of that was how to do cash flow planning. I didn't know how to manage cash flow effectively with an irregular income. And if I had known then what I know now, I probably would have been able to keep my house. I definitely would have been able to keep the electricity on, but I just didn't know, mm -hmm. you know? And then once later I learned that cash flow planning was a thing and that was a skill that I hadn't learned. Well, then I could learn it and develop my systems around it. And now that's something that I'm super passionate about teaching because that could have saved me a world of pain, right? Yeah. Friend of mine calls those seminars, those yes. lessons. Yeah. Well, so talk to me then a little bit about how you did get to what you're doing now in this role of you know helping people with their financial plans and investing and passive income coaching. Yeah. Well, this was always the vision, right? Like way back when I was working in Japan, I stumbled upon the book Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. This is like over 20 years ago. Yeah. And it just like reawokened my entrepreneurial spirit from when I was a kid. And I'm like, this is it. I want to learn how to invest and run businesses and teach other people how because freedom, you know, makes me think of the movie Braveheart where he goes, freedom, you know, it just completely lights me up. And that's what I want for people is I want people to be able to make choices from a place of freedom and joy instead of debt and obligation. And just for some reason, the way I'm wired, it like physically hurts me when people don't do the things they love because of money. Like people not going to be with their loved ones while they're dying because they can't afford a plane ticket. I mean, just like that sort of thing just makes me crazy, you know, and makes me want to cry. And I don't want people to have to make decisions based on debt and fear and obligation. I want people to be able to make decisions based on what lights them up, what brings them joy, what is in alignment for them, mm -hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, financial freedom is just gives you more choices. It doesn't necessarily solve all your problems, but it gives you more options. So let's dig into some of the details. So you, um, in one of your videos, one of your programmed videos that you have out on uh, YouTube, you talk about boosting your income so you can invest more. And you know, I know a lot of salespeople were so focused sometimes on head down, grind it out. 
I think your point there is there's something more than just working harder to make more money. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, I think that first of all, we got to talk about the difference between making money and growing money, right? We tend to get so focused on the make money world. I need that next commission. I need that next sale. I need that next lead. I need that next client. And we're like, I got to make money. I got to make money. I got to make money. And there's freedom there, you know, but financial freedom, there's a spectrum. Like when you make more money, especially when you become cash flow positive and you make enough money to support yourself and maybe support yourself at even a higher lifestyle, there's freedom there, right? It's like, oh yeah, I have the money to do the things I want to do. That's like a really good first milestone. Then when you don't have a bunch of consumer debt that you don't want, there's freedom there. When you have you know, money set aside for life's unexpected stuff, there's freedom there. When you can own your own home, there's freedom there. So there's like multiple milestones along that spectrum. And each one brings you more and more ease and peace and freedom around money. And then the ultimate milestone that I want to work people towards is where your passive income is more than your expenses so that you don't have to rely on your job or your business or the government or a partner or an adult child or anyone else for money, right? So the point is when I talk about boosting your income so you invest more, it's not just so that you can increase your lifestyle, though obviously you can. It's so that you can take some of that money from the make money world and transfer it over to the grow money world. Because the truth is your money can work much harder for you than you can work for it. Like, let's say, let's just say you listen to this podcast when you're 25 years old and you start transferring $50 a month from the make money world to the grow money world. Okay. And you just do that till you're 65. Well, $50 a month times 12 months to make it a year times 40 years until you're 65, you will have invested $24,000. Okay. That's not that much money. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say you could get a 15% return on it, learning from Chris and some of the other experts that he brings in here. We don't need to go into like where you would get 15%, but let's say you could, okay? By the time you're 65, you would have over $1.57 million, okay? So you put in 24000 The vast majority of that, over $1.5 million, is growth. That's your money going out and working for you because it doesn't need to eat. It doesn't need to sleep. It can just be working and growing and multiplying for you 24 seven. The money's having babies and those babies are having babies and that's compound interest, right? That's like one of the cool things about getting your money over into the grow money world. And so we get so, so focused on got to make more money, got to make more money, got to make more money, but it's not always how much you make. It's how much you keep and grow, right? So as you increase your income from everything you're learning here from Chris, my hope is that you will increase how much you are transferring. That said, let's say you want to increase how much you're making so you could transfer more, okay? We look at money now and money later. So money now activities tend to involve more work, like other projects and jobs and selling stuff. Money later, I look at what you call your profit plan in your business. And when you're in sales, even if you're technically working for another company, you're still kind of in business for yourself. Right. <laughs> I think young people and entrepreneurs are the same thing. I've been both. It's the same. So in your profit plan, there's three parts. And in order to really boost your income while not just increasing your effort, possibly even decreasing your effort, you want to optimize this profit plan. And we're going to reverse engineer it. So the last part of it, which is the first part we're going to look at, is what's your offer? What are you selling? You want to make sure that whatever you're selling is something that 
makes your life easier, right? I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you don't have like a whole lot of control over what you're selling. Right. So thinking about what you're selling though, being clear on what your offer is now allows you to reverse engineer the process. So you're in sales. What is the ideal sales system that then brings people into that offer? So the middle part is your sales system. That's like, where does that enrollment conversation take place? Is it a presentation? Is it a webinar? Is it a one-on-one consultation? Is it a sales video? So really like looking at for what I'm selling, what is the best enrollment process that can really help you leverage what you're doing and get better results. Mm-hmm. For example, I when I was ramping my business back up to multiple six figures after having my first baby, my sales system was I'm going to have one-on-one consultations with people. Well, I quickly ran out of time <laughs> and I changed my main sales process to be a live event. So I lead my financial freedom one-on-one event where 95% is just giving great financial education content that people never learned at home or in school growing up. And then a little bit of it is inviting them to take the next step into my paid programs. And so now I'm able to have 300 sales conversations at once instead of 300 individual sales conversations, right? Now, the company that you work for might have a specific enrollment process they want you to do, but you can still look at how can you refine that and optimize it and increase your conversion without increasing your effort? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, just taking what you do and you know, everybody's unique, but the point there is how can you take your process, refine it a little bit to maybe maximize and get some more volume out of it? Maybe it's doing one to multiple, maybe it's adding a new little process that creates a multiple effect. You know, maybe you're having one meeting, but every time you're doing that one meeting now, you're getting references from that customer for other people. And maybe that wasn't something you were doing before. So now you've increased your leads by double. Absolutely. Asking for referrals is one of the best things you can do because a referral is four times more likely to sign up with you than somebody that's just meeting you for the first time that wasn't referred, right? So that's really powerful. And then the third part, which is where people are going to start, is the marketing system. How do you bring new people into that enrollment process? So for me, it's like, what are all the things that I do to invite people to come and participate in that event. Oh, I get interviewed on podcasts. I have affiliates promoting. Some people bonus my ticket in with their paid programs. I do speaking engagements. I have my YouTube channel. I have my book. I have social media posting. That's all part of my marketing system that then channels people into my sales system, which is where I make the offer for my program. So marketing system, sales system, offer and optimizing each of those things so that the conversion at each point is what you need. That's what allows you to create abundant and consistent income in your business or in your, I'm just gonna say in your business, because if you're in sales, it's still your business, right? It is. And you you didn't say it directly, but part of what you were alluding to there is when you have processes set up, right? Some of that stuff becomes a little bit more automatic, which means you don't necessarily have to work harder. You can be working more efficiently. You know, whether it's how you're messaging, maybe there's some notes you're sending out. Maybe there is a follow-up request where you are asking for a referral, you know, templating stuff out. There's so many different ways you can streamline and make that consistent process that allows you to scale. And by the way, if something's starting to work really well, go do more of that. If it's not working, well, then make little tweaks. But when it's consistent, you can start to measure and get a sense of what's working, what's not to allow you to 
to ramp that production up. Yeah. And I think what's really, really powerful that we've been looking at in my business for the last two years is not only tracking conversion at each of those points, like of the people that come into the marketing system, how many come into the sales system? Of the people that come into the sales system, how many of them end up becoming clients, right? I hope you're tracking those numbers. If not, that's a really good thing to do. Because then let's say you want 10 more clients, you know exactly how many conversations you have to have, for example, right? Mm -hmm. But another thing that we started doing is drilling down another layer, which is not only what's the overall conversion, but what's the conversion rate for each lead source. So for people that are referred by current clients, how many of them sign up for the event and become clients? And the most important thing is how many people become clients, right? And so we've seen that we have like big referral partners that might send 50 people to the event and one signs up. Okay, that's nice. But let's say we have one of my current clients send two of their friends to the event and they both sign up. I like that better, right? That was double. That was double the clients, (laughs) right? Even though it's sexy to see all these opt-ins and registrations at the end of the day, it's like, where are the actual clients coming from? And then how do we double down on those lead sources and optimize those systems, right? So now I'm looking at, okay, well, what could I do to wow and delight my clients even more so that they want to refer friends? And when in the process with them, can I ask them to refer friends? Yeah. An example of that is uh, like in our business, it's pretty typical, I think, for a lot of high-tech vendors. We'll do a lot of webinars, seminars, whatever. And marketing will get really excited when they get all this registration and get butts in the seat. But, you know, they're just numbers, right? It's, are you getting the right butts in the seat? In some cases, I'd rather have fewer people, but the right people and, you know, maybe take a different approach to get that. I hope you are enjoying this episode. I wanted to break in with a quick commercial. During the podcast, we sometimes talk about how to invest those hard-earned commission dollars so that you can build that freedom we are all working towards achieving. Now, I built that through 20 years of real estate investing. Now, recently, my team helped me put together a webinar on how top sales pros can create passive income and achieve financial freedom with hands-off real estate investing. Now, I'm still doing this. And as I continue to invest, I'm giving opportunity for others to learn and invest alongside of me. So if you want to learn more, go check out our webinar at hightechfreedom.com forward slash webinar. That is hightechfreedom.com forward slash webinar. We will also put the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. I want to go back to the passive income piece for a minute. So obviously, um, you know, I talk a lot about real estate as, a, as an avenue to passive income. And, you know, part of what really launched the high tech freedom brand is I'd been in real estate for 20 plus years. And, you know, I, I just had an opportunity to have a, a mentor early on in my career. But I watched a lot of high tech people that I know kind of do really well, scale up their income. But then, you know, they're now held hostage to their job because guess what else scaled with their income? They're spending. Yeah. And then, you know, then they're still working and then they can't necessarily retire and maintain that same lifestyle because the 401k isn't enough to cover that. Mm -hmm. So I'm really passionate about the idea of passive income. Real estate is just one way, but there's some other ways I think that people can, can start to build up incremental passive income. You know, what are some of the things that you're coaching around? Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways, right? So our specialty is supporting entrepreneurs 
to become financially free in five years or less with $10,000 or more in passive income per month. And you can adjust those numbers up or down if you want. We particularly specialize in working with women entrepreneurs, even though we end up having all sorts of people in our program, you know, men, non-binary, families, couples. But we specifically target our marketing to women entrepreneurs because they are massively underserved mm-hmm. by the financial planning industry. You know, 86% of financial advisors are men. Most of them are over 50. The typical big box financial advisor models don't account for women's longer lifespans, differences in our career paths. And then what ends up happening is that statistically, we have less money at retirement, but it has to last us longer. So that's why women, even though most of what I teach applies to everybody. So with that approach, how do you become financially free in five years or less? We take a two-prong approach. So one thing we do is work on buying assets. That's where you're buying you know, real estate, stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, cryptocurrency, gold and silver, mobile homes, billboards, ATM machines. Like you buy a thing, right? You buy a thing that either goes up in value that you can then sell off for passive income or It gives you passive income, either one, but you buy a thing and it gives you money. And that's like the goose that laid the golden eggs, right? Right. So we work with people on growing a bigger golden goose and getting their golden goose to lay more golden eggs. Then the second prong approach, the second prong is if that's not enough, if they still need more passive income and this isn't going to get them there in five years or less, then we look at, in addition to buying assets, how do we create assets? How do we create new streams of passive income with little or no money down? So this is where you take, you know, your creativity, your time, your energy, your social capital, and you turn it into a passive or semi-passive income stream. And so that's the approach we take. Yeah. So on the buy assets side, I mean, you talk about real estate a lot. I'm a huge fan of real estate. Even within real estate, there's so many ways to do it, right? There's like regular rental real estate, commercial real estate, full on like not just like commercial real estate, like um, apartment buildings, but also like Walmarts and laundromats and things. There's billboards, there's mobile homes, which I guess aren't technically real estate, but it's still similar. You can do sandwich leasing if you don't have the means to actually like buy a property. You can do syndication if you want to split it up with other people like what you're teaching, Chris. So there's a lot of stuff there. There's also, like I mentioned, stocks and bonds and cryptos and things like that. In fact, we launched our own community cryptocurrency. I am the creator of the world's first cryptocurrency designed to support women entrepreneurs in creating financial freedom. And okay, what's it called? It's called Prosperity Coin. Prosperity Coin. All right. So if you want to play with that, it's free to play with it. If you want to get 25 free Prosperity Coins, we will link in the show notes for that. It's realprosperity.com slash crypto and you can get on our notifications list, get 25 free coins, start playing with it. So that's the buy asset side. Then on the create assets side, depending on you know your business and your personality and your inclination, you can decide, you know, what you want to do. But one example is licensing. Like one of my clients licensed a formula for a pet vitamin supplement and there's another company that actually like manufactures it and markets it and fulfills on it. And she gets about $70,000 a month in passive income just for having that be her intellectual property. Wow. It's sweet, right? I have a few different people who I work with where I've included pieces of their intellectual property in my program and I pay them licensing fees. So that's thousands of dollars in passive income for them without them having to do anything. Royalties from a book is an example, even though 
most of the time when you're writing a book, I don't think making a bunch of money and royalties is like, should be your main focus. I think you want to use that as a lead generation tool and a credibility builder, but that's a whole other interview. Yeah. But, but royalties from a book would be an example. A YouTube channel, you know, that that can be a lot of work to put out there at first. But if you set it up right and you create videos to be evergreen, there's a lot of different ways to monetize that, both by becoming part of the YouTube partner program, getting your channel monetized where you get money on ads but also through things you promote, links you promote in your videos, even if your channel never gets monetized, you can still continue to earn passive income from those things. You know, affiliate programs, network marketing, depending on if it's, depending on the company, some of them require you to keep working in the company forever. That's more residual than passive, mm -hmm. but that can be an example of drop shipping. You know, I teach a class on Etsy drop shipping where you can get started with 20 cents and create a new passive income stream out of thin air. Other people make millions of dollars with fulfillment by Amazon. So there's a lot of fun, creative ways you can do that. I even know some people that do semi-passive income through Airbnb because they set it up and they have somebody else manage it. Sure. Or even doing it with properties they don't own. So kind of like sandwich leasing with Airbnb. One of my clients makes $100,000 net she rents out the properties so she doesn't even own them. And then she subleases them on Airbnb. Yeah. And that can, if you're turning all the rooms yourself, it can be a lot of work. But there are a lot of people and companies that will do that for you. So that's another way that you could create this mostly passive income stream. So anyway, I, I rattle out a whole lot of examples really fast. I hope that was helpful. Well, you know, that's great. Cause I mean, you have to think about what do you like to do? What are some areas where you feel like you have some strengths? Maybe there's some areas where you're just not going to enjoy it or you're not strong. So don't, don't chase something that you're not going to get excited about because you won't put in the extra hour a week or a day. You won't visualize where you want to go in a year from now or five years from now. So find something you're excited about but you do need to do a little bit of homework. So you just rattled off a bunch of ideas. There's so many more you can go do. On the, on the Airbnb front, as an example, my dad was an attorney and he had a client. I don't know. He had done something like, I don't know, he had about 100 homes or 100 units that he had rented out and was then airbnb them and had a whole process. And he was really just running the financials and he had people managing all of it, people cleaning all of it. And you know, as long as he was staying ahead of the changes in the rules in any of the given cities he was in, it was a great model. And then if they didn't renew the lease that next year, fine, you know, walk away from it, move on to a next one. But you know, you just got to put in a little bit of effort to go find out what what can you get excited about? Totally. So you touched on one of the things I was going to ask you about was on the um, you know, why women and you know it's an interesting I hadn't really thought about the perspective of they are underserved from a planning perspective and they live longer. That's it. not a great combination. No, there's um, actually an inherent gender bias in the financial planning industry and in a lot of industries. Like, did you know, Chris, that when they do seatbelt safety testing on cars, it's based on the average person, which is the average man. And so more women are injured and die from seatbelts than men. Hmm. Hmm. Isn't yeah. that crazy? And yeah. it's like, I mean, it's within heart medication. It's like in all sorts of industries. And like, we don't even see it because we're so used to the default human being a man. Yes, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So, okay, so you've worked with some people that, you know, maybe they've already made it, they're there, maybe they've worked with you to get there, or maybe you've just, through your business, you've met really successful people. Are there any common traits or trends that you've seen amongst those people that 
you know, over a period of time have put themselves in that position of success and freedom that, you know, people should try to replicate more of? I think the biggest things that I see that work really, really well is if you can take just some of your time and energy, not a lot, but some to increase your financial education, because, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, most of us got some level of formal education, like high school, college, kindergarten, right? Mm -hmm. And what did they teach you about money in school? Not much. Probably not much or nothing, right? And then a lot of us go on to get a professional education. And unless you're a CPA or financial planner, you don't learn a lot there either, right? So the whole like big box advisor, financial planning, Wall Street world would have you believe that money and investing is super complicated. But it's really not. Like if you take just a little bit of time to learn some basic personal finance, money management and investment stuff that can serve you well for the rest of your life. And I think people have so much shame around it and they get so intimidated by it that they tend to just go to a financial advisor, hand everything over and be like, make it work, (laughs) you know, help me. But there's a difference between delegating, which, which is smart. It's great to get help from an advisor or somebody. But there's a difference between delegating and abdicating responsibility. So I'm not going to like take my five-year-old and just drop him off somewhere and be like, you raise him, you know, I'll see you when he's 18, right? Like that's not going to work. Even though I have other caregivers, you know, supporting me with his education, like that's delegating, right? So I think it's important to increase your financial education and then also to create a consistent habit of transferring money from the make money world to the grow money world, right? Like just build that muscle, start now and start automating your smart financial decisions. So you can have money automatically taken out of your account and put into your investment account, mm-hmm. or even just a savings account to get started, but like get it out of your main account. Like some people get really excited about saving money. Like you go to the cash register, it's like, oh, you saved, you know, on groceries today, or you saved, you know, 20% on this dress. And you're like, oh, that was nice. Well, where's that money now? Chances are you didn't save it. You just spent it on something else (laughs) because you didn't transfer it. Right. So if you get this distinction from listening to this podcast, that money isn't saved until it's transferred and you can set up an auto transfer, and then you can even have it auto invested. So you can set up an account with like TD Ameritrade or Fidelity. I'm assuming most of the people here in the United States, but there's other brokerages around the world. Interactive Brokers is a really popular one in most countries. You can set it up to have money automatically go in there and then automatically get invested according to your strategy, which we didn't even get into investment strategy. But um, the point is this doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be confusing. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. In fact, with my Financial Freedom 101 event, I like to say, give me just three days, (laughs) three days out of your life. Like think about how much time you've put into your professional education, your formal education, like years and years and years, right? Give me just three days and I will give you the tools and money systems to become financially free forever. So if you can carve out a little bit of time, whether it's my event or YouTube videos or books or podcasts or whatever it is to increase that financial education, and get that muscle built of like transferring money from the make money world to the grow money world and get it investing, that's going to serve you really, really well. Yeah, so true. And, you know, one of the lessons I learned when I was younger, so bought some real estate, this cash flowing right away. And one of the best lessons I learned from that was I don't have to go spend that passive income. 
if I take that passive income that I made and reinvest it back into more assets, you know, it starts to accelerate over time. So there was about 10 years where you know, we had real estate that was positive cash flow, never took a dime out of the account, just let it sit there and build up. And then maybe threw some more money back into it from earnings, commissions, whatever, and then bought the next one. And then the cash flow started to grow even faster, built it up, went and bought the next one and just kept doing that for about 10 years. And I think the challenge though, is people start to get that little extra money. And then that lifestyle creep just goes up that much further. And that's, I think, you know, in this consumerism type of environment that we're in today, I think that is a really hard thing for a lot of people to manage is that delayed gratification, right? Absolutely. Just just wait, wait, and you can have so much more. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good skill. And I mean, that comes back to cash flow planning too, because if you're not creating a specific plan for the cash that's flowing in, the human tendency is to just spend it. Right. You know, as human beings, we are not wired to save and manage and invest money. We are wired for instant gratification. It's like you see the buffalo, kill the buffalo, eat the buffalo. Like it's, you know, <laughs> it's this whole like managing and saving, investing money. That's pretty new in the course of human evolution. So we don't have good instincts for it for sure. Yeah, that's true. Well, Penelope, as we wrap things up, if somebody would like to reach out to you, how can they get a hold of you? If you go to my website, realprosperityinc.com and you click on the contact page, all my info is on there, address, phone number, you know, email, so you can reach out to me that way. Also on that same site, I would highly encourage you to download my financial freedom formula ebook because that's a free download. That's going to help walk you through what you need specifically for your unique situation to become financially free. So it really helps you get that clarity that not a lot of people have. Short read, but it can make a huge difference in your life. Yeah. And then uh, your YouTube channel, you have some great videos out there. Oh, thank you. Is that, do you just get to that through your website or is there a specific? I would just type in Penelope Jane Smith on YouTube. Yep. And you'll pop up. Yeah, that's what I did. Well, Penelope, thank you uh, very much for your time today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Is there anything else you want to pass along? I would say, you know how you go on Facebook or Instagram and people will post these like quotes or memes? Uh huh. I saw one a little while ago that just stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, oh, that is it. That is so good. And it said, do something today that your future self will thank you for. Do something today that your future self will thank you for. Yeah. And I think, you know, when it comes to saving and investing, It's such a wonderful, loving example of setting your future self up for success. And I am so incredibly grateful to my past self for everything that she did to give me the freedom that I have today. And I want to set up my future self for even more, you know, freedom and fabulousness. So I think that if you take that to heart, then you'll just find you're in like constant gratitude for yourself. It's a good cycle to be in. Yeah. So Penelope, thank you again. You're welcome. This was fun. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.